It's time for the View in Your Mirror podcast. I'm Katie Harms, and along with Lisa Rubin, we help you check in and curate the best possible you and the best view in your mirror. We share tips, tricks, and strategies from our 35 plus years in our respective industries. We talk about your day from morning to night and everything in between. We share our uniqueness, relish in our shared experiences. Along the way, we share conversation with fabulous people who give us their own thought-provoking insights. So come along as we help you hone the best view in your mirror. Good morning, my beautiful friend, Lisa. Good morning, Miss Katie. You look so pretty today. Thank you. I feel, I feel, despite the fact that I didn't have a lot of sleep, I feel refreshed. So that's a good thing. You look refreshed. And I sound better on this podcast because remember- you do. The last podcast we recorded, I sounded like a sexy dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's up for interpretation, but okay, we'll go with the <laughs> You know what? I'm going to validate that for you, which is part of what I want to talk about, stemming from a conversation that I had actually with my daughter on raising kids and validating kids. She used the example of a child who wants to have a popsicle at nine o'clock at night or something to that effect. And instead of saying, no, you're not having a popsicle, you can say, oh, I understand you want to have a popsicle. Yeah, that would be really good, but we're not having a popsicle. And, you know, just it's how you approach it and how you go at it. And I thought, well, do we do that with each other? Do we honor the spaces that, that we're in or do we even do that with ourselves? So if I wake up now, today is a good day, right? Not every day is a good day. But you have these days where you wake up and nothing seems right. I think that's universal for anyone, not just women. Like, oh my God, nothing seems right. Do we take the time to honor that and figure out where it comes from? I I think that's a a big loaded question and a good question. I think some people might, but the majority of us just go about then our day, right? And then when you go about your day, if you haven't thought about where you're at and where you're starting from, what happens to your day? Very good question. But you know what, Katie, going way back to what we talked about with clothes, if you want to talk about that, I want people to think about if you wake up and it's not a great day, the clothing that you pick to put on your body is probably very interesting. You either are going to pick your favorite pieces that's going to try to make you feel better, or you're going to put on the pieces that is going to make you feel worse. And then you continue on your day, right? So I think people should think about that when they're getting up. And if it's not a great day, go in your closet and pick out your favorite pieces that might help you. And if you don't know what those are, everybody knows a favorite piece. Yeah, it could be sweatpants in a sweatshirt. True, true. I, I would say, you know, another daughter just went through a five hour closet cleanse, literally had her two sisters over. So the three of them were together she purged her closet and the laughs and fun they had, but who else is going to give you the real honest opinions, but a really good friend or a sister, right? Or me. Or you, (laughs) right. Exactly. Exactly. Or you. so, So having, so it's back to the foundational, getting those foundational things going. And, and so I think my, the daughter that did the purge didn't, didn't didn't tell me this, but she did say her sister. And so she might get mad at me for saying this, but I think it's hysterical. When she got done purging, she said, well, I only have nine sweaters left. And and my other daughter said to her, we only wear one a day. (laughs) So 
<laughs> so that's the other thing we think in our minds of how many of something do I need to have before I feel like that's enough in that category of the wardrobe? There's so much, but getting back to the validating. So you get up in the morning and you're not feeling great. And what are your strategies? We've talked about this time and time again, but getting, getting to that, you know, to me, it's having everything a little organized. Like I can't go to bed at night without things being in their place. I can't get up in the morning and see dishes in the sink, crap all over my counter in the bathroom. Even in my closet, I don't want to go in and see a bunch of stuff because I like to start my day fresh and clean. I think the closet is one of the worst places for people because it tends to get everything pushed in there until I until we can deal with it. And some thought there in your organization strategies and then your clothing strategies, like you always talk about. And what are what are essentials? What do you really need to get yourself going and out the door to be your best you the rest of the day? And sometimes people think I just need my cup of coffee or my cup of tea and I'll feel better. I think that helps. But there's so many different strategies and things that you need to do if you just don't wake up and things aren't right. Or you haven't slept all night because you've thought about 8,000 things that you're going to do the next day that you can't solve the problem in the middle of the night. And now you wake up, you're exhausted. Your kid, if you have kids, they're needing you. All the, Mm -hmm. the dog has to be taken out. I mean, there's so many different things. And then you go get dressed, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's you're virtually at home or you have to go out for the day. And to me, that's a big thing. It's a really big thing. It's a huge thing. And and let's not forget at some point in there, you're going to look in the mirror, you're going to brush your teeth, you're going to look in the mirror. And you're not you might have to put a little makeup on, you might have to do your hair. But if you're in that space that I'm talking about, you're not going to be kind to yourself on that first glance in the mirror. And this is where I'm talking about then the validation has to happen. You have to validate yourself. Absolutely. Have to validate yourself. And you have to say, okay, not feeling so great today. Why am I not feeling so great? Where's that coming from? I didn't get any sleep because I've been thinking about this and I've been ruminating on this and right and all that can go. I think naming it, calling it out and then saying, okay, well, what can I affect? What can I do? Right. It goes back to those, the things that you can affect your attitude and your effort. That's it. You know, how many thousands of people have said this in millions of interviews and podcast and all that. Those are the only two things in the world that you can affect is attitude and effort. And so then where we talked earlier about, we've talked in several podcasts about imposter syndrome. If you're looking at yourself and you're not feeling that you can go out in the world and give your best, it is up to you to get yourself there because you're the only one looking in your mirror. Exactly. Yep. And when you go to bed at night and you hopefully brush your teeth to go to bed at night, you have to look in the mirror again about how you had your day. Yeah. And it isn't, I mean, there are people that I know have said, oh, I avoid looking in the mirror. Mm. You are the one and only you. You're the one and only you. So this concept of validating yourself and understanding your worth, even if it's even if it's your worth to your pet, if you if that's where you have to start, you know, my pet needs me to take them out. And there, this is tough inner work that you have to do to be the best version of yourself. Absolutely. And going back to our 
last podcast, if people are listening in sequence, it's that self-care. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't forgotten what Anna said. If you do 1% every day, you're 365% ahead of the year before, right? Yeah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. And so if people can just even put a post-it note, 1% self-care in the mirror when you get up in the morning might help. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Give yourself a little note. Heck, at the rate that I am going, I would give myself a note. I would forget that I put it on there. <laughs> when I see it the next morning, I'd go, somebody left me a note. <laughs> oh my God, Katie. Yeah, that's probably how it would happen. <laughs> you know, or maybe that's the thing too. Maybe if you live with a significant other, and that's one of the things that would help you, ask them to stick a note up every once in a while for you or stick a note up for somebody else. For a while, there was almost a campaign to put little post-it notes on places. So yeah, I just think these little tiny, we're not talking about huge things. We're talking about little tiny things you need to do to get yourself through the day. And that's usually adding all those little tiny things up makes a big thing. Now, we have a guest, Debbie Rudai, owns Goldie Tees. And if you don't know Goldie Tees, you're going to want to know Goldie Tees. She is a lot of fun. She is all about travel, fashion, empowering women. And I think you're going to really enjoy getting to know her. We'll talk to her about some of these strategies. And as life throws stuff at you, how you get through them. And let me just say one more thing before is this is an important one, essentials in your wardrobe. The things that people don't want to buy, but they need when they get ready in the morning. Yes. And that perfect t-shirt that nobody can find, Goldie Tees has it. We are all about the perfect t-shirt. Let's welcome Debbie. Debbie Rudai, thank you so much for being with us. I want to start in a, in a really unique way. And people are going to have to look now that we're talking about this. I love your headshot. Most people, women of a certain age are told when you take a headshot, make sure the camera's up, make sure that, but do not have the camera below your chin for whatever reason. And that's exactly where your headshot is taken from. And it puts you in such a lovely position of power. It's a phenomenal picture. What, did you have a thought behind that? My marketing director had this thought. We were on set shooting um, content. I believe it was for spring 24 product. And she's like, you don't have a current headshot. Your headshot is beautiful, but it's old. We need to do it. And I'm like, oh, another time. And she's like, the other time is now. And the next thing I knew, they put me in front of this wall, like on location and started taking pictures. And so that was really the story behind it. So what I liked about it is I don't really like being in front of a camera. That's just my thing. And I don't want to say it caught me by surprise, but I didn't have enough time to stress about it, think about it or find a problem with it. So I was just put in front of the camera, like all the other models and people that we were shooting content for. And that's really how it evolved. I think it's great. I have a couple of variations on it. It's interesting for me because um, there's three or four that I chose. This one, I'm not smiling with teeth, which I don't really like that. I prefer the one I sent you. And I, I feel the same way. I feel like it's a power photo. 
And again, I just, it happened really quickly. We shot images and we moved on and I didn't look at the, you know, the outtakes for a few weeks. So that's really the story behind it. It was like, we need to do it. Let's do it. And I was like, okay, here we are. So that's really my story. For me, it's interesting because I sometimes look at the image and I'm like, who is this person? I mean, it's me, obviously, but um, my old headshot had my other hair color before I let my hair go gray. So it's it's an interesting thing, but it's who I am and it's where I am at this point in my life. So just going with it and moving forward. Well, it's it's fabulous. Now let's back up. When you meet people in an elevator or when you meet people for the first time and they say, what's your vocation? What do you do? What do you tell them? I tell them that I design and produce women's apparel. Okay. And they'll say, really? Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so basically I tell them that I've, I opened a store, a retail store, when I relocated to the East End of Long Island as a lifestyle choice slash change. And I saw that there was a need for other products that I was not able to find in the marketplace. So we started with a collection of six t-shirts. Now, of course, one could say or argue, there's plenty of t-shirts, there's plenty of product like that in the market. So when before I launched Goldie, we had two styles that we were selling in my 1,000 square foot store that I was selling approximately 500 units a week of, of my one little store. And it was great, you know, we were, it was like my little mini annuity in-house. And suddenly the brand that we were purchasing this from canceled those two styles from their collection. And I was horrified. I was like, how can you do that? I'm like, okay, no worries. And I'm telling somebody this story one day and we're talking about it. She's like, well, you should just make your own. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. She's like, yes, you do. You have all this experience in the wholesale business and product development. And you should just consider doing that. I'm like, okay, I'll think about it. And I get up to leave said meeting and I'm walking out the door. And as I walk out the door, a gentleman is coming in the door. My friend stops me and says, come back in. And she introduced me to the person who is my main supplier and factory in Peru. And so it was just, you know, it was like kismet. It was meant to be. I feel like it was very organic. It came together. I sent him some samples. I had somebody who is a close friend who's been designing product and for years and she did some sketches. We made our tech packs. Next thing I know, I'm buying thousands of t-shirts from my one little store. And then I quickly realized that I didn't need all that product. I needed a lot, but not all that. And I was speaking to other people I know in the apparel industry and they're like, well, give them to us. Let's sell them for you. So the whole business, I mean, I had a, a conscious awareness of what I was doing. I shouldn't say obviously, but I, was aware of what I was doing, but it, I wasn't really thinking long-term when I was doing the production, meaning I created these six styles, I produced them, but I wasn't thinking, oh, in two years, it needs to be 20 different styles or 30 different styles. And I want to be in Bloomingdale's or I want to be in Every. I wasn't thinking of the business in that way. I was thinking of it as like in the moment right now, it quickly went from being six styles to multiple styles just a supply and demand. I then rebranded my retail store from all third-party labels to 50% of it was my own brand and the rest was third-party. 
and the rest is kind of history. So we basically now are focusing on our brand only. I'm very much focused on producing in a sustainable way, as sustainable as possible, meaning small carbon footprint. We we utilize cotton that is grown, harvested, knit, woven, dyed, and produced all in Peru. So it's in a small contained area where most production for garments is something other than that. They're buying cotton from India, they're shipping it to China, then it's going to some other country to be produced, some other country to be dyed, and then shipped on a container across the ocean to the US and then trucked somewhere else. So my whole mission has always been to reduce that impact. I guess that's what it is, which has gotten very out of control, as we all know. Certainly. So I think I went off topic, but that's kind of what I do. No. no. So let's let's kind of trickle back. So when did you decide to start producing and thinking, okay, I'm going to make a collection of this? How many years ago was that? We launched in 2016, officially. Oh. Okay. So it's about a little over seven years. I love that you okay. didn't have a real business plan. I mean, you probably had a business plan, but you didn't. I love that it organically happened and it sounds like it was a mix of following your heart and following some very clear signs and people that were put in your path. Correct. Totally. It was that way. And, um, but when I decided to do the, the product development and manufacturing, I really did not have a clear business plan. You know, it went from that, then it's like, oh, we need to sell this online. Let's build the website. You know, so that's how we went about this whole, it was more like supply and demand or demand and supply, depending on how you look at it. And I did have a clear business plan for my retail store. And what's, what's fascinating is the store really supported the development of the brand for many, many years. And so Recently, upon closing the store, what was equally as interesting to me personally is that I was able, it was like the store launched the brand and helped sustain it and helped it grow. And I was able to leave this, the retail store behind, the brick and mortar store behind, which was a, a big deal because it was always that the two of them were codependent, if that makes sense. We were always the largest customer. We sold the most product et cetera, et cetera. But over the past few years, we were able to grow our wholesale business enough and our online presence to sustain itself independently. And what ultimately happened is the store started to be a drain on the business because it was taking too much of my time and energy. So anyway, now Goldie has grown up and we're all on our own. We don't have like, you know, the mommy supporting us anymore. Actually, we were supporting the store. It sort of flipped around. So would you say you're in the teenage years with the, or are we at high school? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, with the brand? I don't know. You know, my, the advisors I have around me always say that a brand is mature somewhere around 10 years. You know, that's when most brands are either like prime for being sold, acquired, evolving. So we're like seven plus. So I don't know, young adult, let's call it young adult. Well, I think it's, I think we can't miss the fact, and Lisa can speak to this too, because she is in and out of this every single day. The quality of the product you sell is 
phenomenal. We talk about finding the right t-shirt. You've got the right (laughs) t-shirt. And here's the other thing about your t-shirts that I love. You can buy your white t-shirts and not see your entire body underneath it. You know, like it's hard to find a white t-shirt for most people that you don't see their bra because a lot of women, they put the bra on, they don't think about it. And it's probably mint green with lace, right? <laughs> and then, I mean, it drives me crazy or purple, purple. That's a big one. And then they throw a white t-shirt on and then they put on their jacket or whatever. And they go about their day and it's like, ah, uh, you can see right through it. But a lot of your t-shirts, that doesn't happen. And so I think that's a big thing for a lot of women because they don't have to think in the morning if they want to put a white t-shirt on. I would agree. And I think finding the right fit is really crucial. Oh, I think it's, well, that I think some of them, like there's the fabric, there's the fit. I mean, we do, I always say, I used to say this in the store a lot, like I'll find you the right t-shirt. I don't care whether you're a skinny mini petite or you're XL, like I can fit, get you into our product. But there's so many different styles and depending on your comfort level, there's something for everyone. You know, if you don't want to show your arms, you have a half sleeve or a long sleeve or a V-neck or a crew neck, but trying to be, you know, feminine at the same time. And so that's been a big thing for us. Like, I don't love things that are super choky, you know, like if you're going to have a crew neck, you want to have a little skin like you have, you know, like you're wearing or a V-neck. So just very, very wearable. And that's really been our um, focus. And then of course we have the whole fashion side of the brand as well, but it's again about the fabrics. Our organic jersey is amazing because in white, it's not sheer. Our slub, some people think is sheer. I don't think it's sheer. It's just got texture. And if you wear nude, you aren't going to see your body through it. But it just depends. But I think having the, the right or the perfect white tee in your wardrobe is crucial because you can wear it with your designer jacket. You can wear it with your suit and you can wear it to the gym or you can wear it on the weekends. So, Or you can travel with it. Right. Correct. You can take a white tee and a black tee and work a whole wardrobe around that when you're traveling. Yeah. Which is what I basically do. I mean, that's, that's my uniform. Katie yeah, has seen me. I, I I'm always like you. black jeans and black t-shirts, you know, I always go with the stack and usually there's like one white involved. I tend to be more of a black everything person. You always look chic. You always look oh, chic when you. I see you always. Well, we oh. all, we all have black on today. Yeah, I know <laughs> it's the go. It's the go-to for all of us, you know. And that's one of the things with the gray hair. It's like, oh, black looks great with the gray hair too. It's kind of that, you know, one of the bonuses. You know, I don't want to miss talking about the quality in terms of they wash up beautifully. They wash up beautifully. I've bought expensive T-shirts that do not wash up beautifully, and that's a huge, you know, you, yours are not ridiculously expensive they're appropriately priced and they wear forever i have some i think i had the first ones that i bought when i first met you which was probably not long after you 2000 well you know what it was it was 2017 i bought my first goldie tea in 2017 and i still have it wow that's great I, i actually have three of them I have a blue one, a black one, and a white one. Well, we work, you know, one of the benefits of producing in Peru and having all of our fibers come from there, we work exclusively when it comes to cotton with Pima cotton. And Pima cotton 
it's one of the highest quality cottons available. It has a very long staple yarn. You know, I always try and explain to people, it's like buying sheets. Everyone's obsessed with what they sleep on. You know, it's got to be high thread count and Egyptian cotton or whatever. The, the same thing with the high thread count is, it's not exactly the same, but it's the same as having like high quality threads, meaning Pima cotton. And it's native to Peru. There's only a couple of places where you find Pima cotton grown. So that's a huge factor. It's long staple yarn. It's very silky. It's very lightweight. And so I think one of the things for us has always been, is it just feels fantastic on the body. So when you talk about quality, I always go back to, yes, it's the yarn. Yes, it's the fit. But I think what a lot of people miss is how it feels. And I do believe that as women, depending on how old we are and how we're brought up, it's about how you look. You know, that always was, I think, the first thing. And to me, it's like, you don't have to sacrifice how you look for how it feels on your body, because how it feels on your body is also going to change how you feel as you move through your day. And I always equate that to like, there's mornings I get up and if I put something on that doesn't feel good, I have to take it off immediately or I'm going to have a bad day. So I think it really, that to me, the quality goes across a few things, you know, it's not just yarn or production or how it's sewn. It's also like how it feels, why does it feel that way? And how does it make you feel? I think that's all part of the quality issue from my perspective. Anyway, I, I think you're thing. spot on. And we actually started our podcast sort of talking about exactly what, not about the quality of cotton, but how women, if they don't like how they feel in their clothes, they're not really going to be set themselves up for a good day. So, and exactly. especially like your t-shirts, what I also love is the fact that if you have a little bit around your waist or your big chested, you can find a t-shirt that's going to work where you're not constantly pulling on your stomach thinking it's too tight, right? And then you feel Correct. heavier than you really are. And I think that's a, a really big deal. Or if you want to tuck in your t-shirt, you can. So all of those things make a big difference. And again, when you said you can have your expensive blazer, jacket, leather jacket, whatever it is, you can throw that t-shirt on underneath and still feel very cozy, comfortable, and then throw your jacket over and getting on airplanes, meetings, whatever it may be. So exactly. And I have, you know, we have a, a group of loyal customers who almost exclusively buy very high designer products and they buy our tees and there's more expensive t-shirts to um, purchase. Obviously there's always something more expensive and less expensive. But one of my customers who I know for a really long time, she tends to buy, and it's a really popular product about others. We always have like crew neck t-shirts that have like either metallic threads, like we have all these tipped necklines. And those are things that I see most often. I mean, I can spot our tees on people, but if you take a white t-shirt that has like a little stripe of gold and black around the neckline, it elevates it even more. And then you put on your Armani or whatever, jacket you're wearing and it suddenly feels more elevated and that's something that we've always worked to do like to be the t-shirt that's not just a t-shirt so that's kind of and I think it's again how how it makes you feel like if you feel good if it feels good on you and you feel good in the product and you feel like you look good 
I think that's, you know, you're setting yourself up for success for your day, whether it's going to work, picking up the kids from school, going out to dinner, whatever it may be, or just having your day. I think it makes a huge difference. And I I'm with you, like, instead of like constantly like yanking on yourself, like you can tell when people are not comfortable in their, in their skin or their clothing. And so I think the whole goal is to be comfortable period, whether it's at the wedding, at the event, at the gym, at work, anything. So that's where we, that's really where I strive to be in terms of the brand and the product. And I love what you said about the fact that really you can fit anyone because we all come in various body types. And, you know, we talk a lot about being comfortable where you are now, which is different from where you were 10 years ago, or it's going to be different from where you are 10 years from now. As long as you can have those pieces that you feel comfortable in that you know are your go-to, that's going to make your day go a whole lot better. And you're going to be a little kinder to yourself, I think. Of course. this like It should really all be about that. It doesn't always seem to happen, but that's what we should strive for. And I think that's part of what's empowering women to like look good and feel really good with yeah. in their bodies, where they are in their life, whatever stage they're at. Yeah, for sure. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about um, your, you actually go to Peru, you source. So you've seen factories, you know where it's coming from. You've probably seen the changes that happened since you've been manufacturing over there. So let's talk a little bit about that and the whole sustainability thing. And then I want to talk about you, how you got started, how you approach your day and what your plans are for the future. Okay, sounds good. We'll be right back. We are with Bridget Edwards from Share Custom Closets, and we're talking laundry room, one of the most underutilized spaces of the house, but probably where we spend the most time. So how do we get in there, and what should we look to do in that space, Bridget? Well, I think the biggest thing is, if there's any way to get in there before you actually plan the space, and think about what you want in there, that's the best way to go. But from there, most people are just really wanting a functional space, and that includes a space to fold your clothes, a space to put clean clothes, a space to put dirty clothes, some closed cabinetry, and a hanging rod. That seems simple, but in the way houses have been built in the past, that's not necessarily easy to attain. So you really need some quality people to come in and take a look at your space. Exactly. Really, we try to be really thoughtful in designing a space to meet your family's needs and get you everything you want. I love that. I think you touched on it too. If you're in the middle of a, a build or a remodel project, look at your spaces, all storage spaces at the front end. This isn't necessarily something that builders do. It's something that you have to request because talking about what actually goes in a space makes all the difference in the world. Exactly. It makes a world of difference to have that planned ahead of time. And at Share Custom Closets, you are at the ready and waiting for all areas of the home. How do people get a hold of you? They can get a hold of us through our website at sheerbrosclosets.com or they can reach us by phone at 763-531-7400. Thanks, Bridget. We are back with Debbie Rudoy, owner of Goldie Tees, uh, owner, creator, just generally inspiration for Goldie Tees. How's that? Sounds great. You manufacture in Peru. 
and which we talked about their cotton. We talked about all of that. Talk about that process, because I've got to believe that things have really changed from the time you started, even just in 2016, or really got to that point of manufacturing to where you are now. Well, I'd say first and foremost, the choice to manufacture in Peru had to do with being able to acquire the product, meaning the fabric, the fiber, the fabric, and have it produced in the same country, just to keep it all very close, easy to manage, easy to wrap our head around. But for us, it was really about attention to detail. So we have quality fabric, meaning Pima cotton, that we knew was grown and produced there. We tend to work with small producers, primarily, I don't want to say family run, because I feel like that, I don't know if that's really necessarily the case, but small factories. We don't work with any of these giant producers. I've talked to them. I always think about it. But when I really look at the difference of the cost, I feel like we have more attention to detail and quality working with a smaller factory. So we're, we have like more priority with their staff, whether it's from the design through the production purpose, you know, process. But that's really what it's about for me. It's like, I know the people who are making our patterns. I know the people making the samples and who are overseeing our production. And that's important for us to feel like we're in contact with those people. And there, it's not like somebody in some far off land that's producing things. So what's really changed, what's changed is we went through a certain level of production. Then the pandemic happened and everything went crazy. Like everything did, supply and demand, less goods, prices rising, factories already booked up that you couldn't place production to now it's gone the opposite way again. So again, I think what's really worked for Goldie is that we had these strong relationships with these smaller producers prior to the pandemic. So when that happened, they were there on the ground and able to work for us. We didn't have massive shutdowns. We didn't have issues with shipping because we had somebody managing all that for us that we had this relationship with. But there's a lot involved. I mean, there's like the idea, the perfect T-shirt. Then you have to have a sketch. Then you need to have someone send you a prototype and a sample. You need to approve it. You need to grade the sizes. And then you go into production. And hopefully when you go into production, it's going to be what you want. And so that's the other thing, working with a smaller producer, you have a little more control, perhaps, and if something isn't right, then you need to call it out. But there's so much detail involved. And actually, the more time goes on and the more product we produce, some days I just sit there and I'm like, it's amazing that I can still keep going because it's a lot. There's just a lot of detail is what I would say. And then you get it to take it to market, which I think we were also talking about, is a whole other set of situations. Everything needs to be photographed. It's models, it's images, it's website, it's showrooms, it's line sheets, it's taking orders in advance, it's paying for product in advance, getting it to a factory, you know, factory to warehouse, and then shipping things out. So, and you're dealing with a lot of people, a lot of touch points, and invariably, there's going to be some issues. So, I think recognizing and understanding that nothing is perfect, because we're all human, is, is huge. So none of the people we're working with are using AI to sew our product. You know, we don't have any bots doing any of it. It's all people that are producing things. 
And that goes from the sample hand to the pattern maker, to the people sewing the product. So hopefully everyone's having a really good day when they're working on our product. <laughs> Just to and you know, I think, I, I think that's really important for everyone to understand. You know, when you are either buying online or you're going into a store and you're buying a product and you're thinking, oh my God, really? They're going to get this price for this t-shirt. I always say to people, think about all the things that happened before it got there and all the things that have to happen once they ship it out, right? And there's returns and there's this and there's that. And um, there's a lot of steps that go into just you buying that t-shirt, putting it on and wearing it and enjoying it. I mean, the bottom exactly. line is that's what you want. You want a happy customer, right? But there's, you know, a hundred plus steps that happen before that happens. And Agreed. it's very easy for people to buy online now. You know, they don't have to go into a store. They don't have to go shopping. But those same steps still had to happen. And I think that's just an important point for everybody to understand. And the other part, you know, when you talk about shopping online, it's just something I encourage everyone who handles customer service for us, especially on the online side, is we currently live in a world where everything is supposed to ship for free and return for free so that we don't have to shop in a store, right? But it doesn't mean that there's no cost of labor involved or someone's time. And again, nothing is perfect. So I think people don't understand that there's systems in place and you have to follow the rules, so to speak, and you have to just go along with that. And it might mean that maybe something happened in the process, whether it's buying, returning or whatever. And I don't think there's a value to the labor force. I don't mean the cost of labor to the people involved because anything that is shipped out is touched by a number of people, you know, whether it's like processing an order, this is for like, you know, direct to consumer processing an order, picking the goods, putting in a package. You know, we take a lot of pride in our packaging. We aspire not to be shipping in plastic bags. We have all recycled material. That is our primary method of shipping. And then if there's a return, it has to go through the same process coming back. And I think there's a lot of people who feel like, well, we shouldn't have to pay for this and it shouldn't be part of it. But I think the cost of goods, to your point, like what's the cost of this item? All of those costs are involved in that. And that's the attention to detail, the quality product, getting it shipped and received into a warehouse, having it sold to a store or selling on our own store. There's a cost to both. And fulfilling it and or taking the return back, like what's involved in all of it. So it's a lot, it's very labor intensive. Apparel is known if you really drill into it as being one of the most labor intensive businesses going, which with, is why there's with, so much about sustainability going on there, how to make it better. Labor intensive with so many touch points, as you've talked about before, more than probably anything. And, you know, we haven't even touched on marketing, building your website, all of those things that add to the cost of a product. I was reading something about, and this could be a whole discussion on its own, but I think it's it's really relevant. Are you going to go out and find a company like Goldie Tea and buy that product that you know has the heart and the mind to do right and put the best product that, that they can and give you quality? 
Or are you going to go on Amazon and pick something out? And is it, I'm trying to think of what the other one that's kind of coming up against Amazon that has been all over the place in terms of shopping. And their strategy is to come in so low with pricing. They're losing money on every purchase because they're trying to drive the small people out of the market and then they will raise the price. So if you think about that strategy as a business model, first of all, why would you want to support it, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I would rather have two t-shirts in my closet than 20 t-shirts in my closet and go between those two, knowing that when I put this on, I've supported a company who's trying to do right. Well, I Very think good that's point, Katie. Challenges. It's a really good point. It's a big challenge in business today because it's the same thing with supporting a smaller business, a local business, and something that's sustainable. But that is what is makes something sustainable. If someone's selling your product cheaper, less expensive, and you're always going to the lowest common denominator, that is not a sustainable practice. So sustainability, I think, goes across all those touch points, and that's a, that's an issue that is rarely. Um, recognized and talked about. So like, what is sustainability? Sustainability is if you want people to have jobs and people to have careers and incomes and be able to live, earn a living wage, they have to be able to be paid a certain amount. And all that is folded into the creation of any product. That's whether it's growing the food that you want to eat to the clothing that you're wearing or any of it, or buying a car, like, you know, the, the more things that are automated, the less people that have jobs, the less sustainable our country is and the economy is. So I think it goes really, really far. And I think it's something that is that's like a whole other conversation we could probably yeah. have. I think that is I think we really need to touch on that, Lisa, at some point, have a sustainability discussion. We'll have to look for a sustainability expert. <laughs> <laughs> Even it's though you huge... are one, you are one, Debbie, but you know. But it is a huge, it's a huge, it's a huge issue. And I think it's facing all of us. And it depends on what socioeconomic area we all fall in, you know, whether you have the awareness or not, let's just say that some people have more awareness, some people have less awareness, but it it's a huge issue. And I know in terms of apparel, there's a, a tremendous amount of energy being put forward to make apparel more sustainable, more green lower impact because you if you start to read about it it's not that pretty you know you read about how there's you know piles of unworn clothing or older clothing that are not recycled and they're just like dumped somewhere like what is that about and that's why there's a rise of resale online resale stores you know or what have you but it's a it's just a huge impact and the other part of that is is if you're buying natural fibers those will recycle, decompose, and all of that much easier than anything with plastic or synthetic fibers. So the sustainability thing, I think it's a whole other conversation. I mean, we do what we can. It's something we try really hard to do. And it's, you know, it's quality threads, quality product, you know, quick to market, all of that, of course. But then there's this whole other almost, you know, for lack of better words, like elephant in the room, like, so what's really going on here? And if you look at the big producers and Amazon and Walmart and whatever, 
and target even like it's it's a little scary but no one wants to really talk about it but people are starting to so i think that's important you know it just it takes a village and you have to go one step at a time and hope for the best and i think what what we like to think that we're doing with our podcast is is an awareness you know we have really great bright people listening to us and i think these are just things if you haven't thought about it you go huh okay now i'm aware and it and as things do you hear about it now you'll start hearing more about it right so sustainability will become people's thoughts oh my gosh i'm going to think about this i'm going to think about that which is which is really important we have a couple minutes left and you know we could talk about you your your beginnings and and how you got started and you've had a long a long background starting in new york city touch on that for just a couple minutes but then i i want to talk about how do you organize your day? What does your day look like? Well, I started in the apparel industry back in 1985, I want to say, when I moved to New York. And I just was hell-bent on working in fashion. It was just kind of my thing. So I just followed that passion and went for it, you know, in whatever way I could. You know, that was just really what I wanted to do. And I had a business, a trend in color forecasting business and textile design business in New York City. Then I moved to the Hamptons and opened my store, then launched my brand. So I've always worked in fashion, I would say. And even before I went to school and college, I was just always obsessed with anything to do with fashion. But to where I am now, what I want to do in the future, I'm totally committed to building Goldie, we're doing other products. We're launching other categories. There's going to be sweaters. There's going to be some other products, not just T-shirts. And about my day, my perfect day is to wake up, meditate, do yoga, and be able to reach into my club, well, whether it's doing yoga or whatever exercise I'm doing. And the most important thing for me is being able to like literally open a drawer or what go into my closet and grab something and know that I can put it on and I feel good. I do not spend a lot of time on my own wardrobe because the building blocks and the pieces that I know look good and feel good on my body are at the ready. And this speaks to what we were talking about in purchasing clothes and basics. Of course, if I have an event or something special to do, I will think about it and it will be premeditated. But in my day-to-day -day life, I know that if I reach into that drawer, there's a stack of tees, I'm going to put one on, I'm going to feel good, or a sweater, or a pair of jeans, or whatever that may be. And that, to me, is how I get my day in motion and know that I can be successful. Because I literally, most days, I sit down at my computer and there's an in excess of 400 emails I have to either delete or pay attention to. So, like, I really don't have half an hour to steam my clothes, iron them, put them on and decide if I like them or not. So I just want to get, you know, set myself up for success in that way. So um, that's kind of how I set my day up. And fortunately, I have a husband who takes care of other things like the house and food and lunch and breakfast for me. So I don't have to worry about that. But um, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit about what I'm doing and what my day is like. It's really about like attacking my emails, thinking about my agenda, how much time I want to allocate to putting out fires, meaning production issues, shipping issues, or what have you, damages, whatever the little things are. 
And then thinking to the future, like we're, we started designing spring 25 this week. So, which is, you know, pretty much right on time. We probably should have started about six weeks ago, but it'll be okay. So we work, I would say in general, at least a year in advance, minimum. So, which, you know, I used to when I was doing design development, I worked about two years in advance. So one year is not that bad, but that year goes by very quickly. So I'm always oh like, God. what's up next? So sure just knows. a just a suggestion to throw out. I know you have a couple of dresses in your collection, mm -hmm. but when designing, or maybe you already done it, but we need a, a dress that has sleeves, not long sleeves, short sleeve or to the elbow that women can wear and throw any jacket they want over it and have it be a little more elevated so they can wear it to the office. Doesn't exist in this you, kind you're of You're right. Actually, you're totally right. It's a good call out. There's a new dress. There's actually a group of dresses that we are launching for summer 24. One of them has a sleeve, which is great. But my favorite one is sleeveless and it's a mid-length, but that would be a great one to have a sleeve on just because I think not everyone wants a short dress and the one with sleeves is considered a short, not a mini, but a short dress. But I think that's a really good call out. That's a really good call out. Ooh, I, I, I would really, I would really appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think you name your name, your designs, right? You're going to have to have a Lisa if you do it. Exactly. <laughs> a Lisa dress. <laughs> anyway. Um, Okay, so Debbie, I have another question for you. What do you think your superpower is? What is my superpower? That's like the million dollar question. I would say my superpower is being able to make things happen. You know, if I want to get it done, if I set my mind to it, I get it done, whatever it may be, as mundane as it could be. You know, I was just on a three day trip dealing with some personal matters and I had a really long agenda and I don't know how I did it, but I did it. I got it done. What probably should have taken anybody else, you know, six, seven days, I did it in three days. It's like, if I see the need, I somehow pull out all the stops and make it happen. I also don't think you ever consider no as the final answer. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. I would say that's very valid. Um I don't you know. Do I consider it in such a positive way, though. You do it in a really positive way. Your, your approach to things is, I mean, you have this calmness about you that, okay, I'll handle, you know, and it's, you talk about it, there's going to be problems, there's going to be this, so you might as well prepare for them. I mean, I think that's that calm, positive approach to things too, is probably adds in there to getting shit done. <laughs> yes, it's true. And I think that's why I spend a certain amount of my day you know, meditating on that and what I can't get done versus what I realistically can get done or that I want to get accomplished. And there's always more to do. That's the challenge for me is there's always more, no matter how much I do, there's always more. And finding that balance is, is the challenge. Debbie, this has been so fun and just enlightening. And I, I think I, I, I've come to the conclusion that every single guest just enlightens and brings something, which is why we do the podcast. It goes back to why we do the podcast, but just, gosh, just so much good information. So thank you for this. Really. Thank you. A couple of things. How do people find you? 
How do they find our brand, our product? Yes. Either through social media, shopping in a small retail store, specialty store, and of course, online. And that's at goldietees.com. And word of mouth. We do a lot of, I find people like see someone wearing something and they're like, where did you get that? Where can I find it? And we find a lot of people come to us that way. And Goldie is spelled G-O-L-D-I-E. Correct. The brand is named after my mother. Oh, I love that. I've never asked that question. So thank you for that. That's even more special. Okay. So we know how to get a hold of you. You're on, you're on social media, you're on Instagram, all the alls, right? Correct. Are you on LinkedIn yourself by chance? Yes. And And so is the brand. Okay. Wonderful. So if people want, have a reason to reach out to you, if you own a store, if you want to carry this brand, we strongly encourage it. Now let's talk about your nonprofit. We support an organization called this retreat. They're based in East Hampton, which is right in our backyard where we work and have our offices. And it's an organization that supports women against domestic violence. We donate a tremendous amount of product to them. Women who come to them at any given point in time are typically in need of clothing among other items. So we donate a tremendous amount of product to them for that. They also have a a store where they sell product which then translates to revenue that is used towards supporting and educating these women. So it's something that I feel very strongly about. Actually, one of my key team members at my office was um, there at a certain point in her life, and they were able to help support her, educate her, and send her off into the world. And so it just sort of goes full circle. And my whole feeling about nonprofits and supporting women is having the best impact you can or the greatest impact you can on anyone or any one given organization. So instead of giving a little bit to a lot of people, they're basically who we choose to support and donate to. Thank you. And that's allagainstabuse.org. Correct. Is the website for more information on the retreat. Debbie, thank you. Thank you so much so proud to know you and to watch your story and evolve and it'll be fun to see what's next thanks and thanks I, for having me on and i just got to meet you and it was uh, it was great i i love all of this i love listening to it i understand how hard you work every day to get that simple t-shirt on a woman's body and i hope the people listening today also will have a better appreciation of that So thank you very much, Debbie. Thank you, Lisa. Great to meet you as well. And be in touch. I'm sure Lisa's probably put your t-shirts on many of her clients. So, (laughs) so, and there will be more, there will be more. So, all right. Love to my brother who you happen to be married to. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I told him I was speaking with you today. He was all excited to hear how that goes. So I will totally let him know. And, um, We'll talk soon and reach out with any comments, questions, feedback. And I definitely put that on my to-do list for address, Lisa. I think that's a great call out. Oh, I've got, I got some more stuff. You just asked me. <laughs> All right. I'll get, hey. I'll get you two connected. <laughs> Sounds good. Already. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank Have you. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.
She's great. I think you have to really approach it. If you're in it for the long haul, you have to have the attitude that she has to do it. Otherwise, I think that industry, retail, um, eats you up and spits you out. Oh, yeah. She's definitely, um, I've known so many people who have been in retail for a long period of time. She's been doing it as long as I've been doing it. And she fits, she checks all the boxes in terms of her, how she approaches things, how she looks at things. Yeah, she's good. So that was great. Absolutely. Yeah. What a delight, truly. And I'll throw this little fun nugget out there. And maybe someday we'll talk about this too is, so I met Debbie in 2017 and Debbie's married to my half brother. I know. And I met my half brother (laughs) uh, as an adult woman. So there's, there's some fun there, but so it's been delightful to get to know that side of the family and really to get to know Debbie. She's just always a, a really an enjoyable person to be around. And my brother is a hoot. So lots of fun there. So maybe that's another, maybe that's a podcast for another day. Maybe you, you have quite the story, Katie. <laughs> I do. I do. All right, Lisa. Well, back to us. If people want to get a hold of us, theviewinyourmirror.com. And from there, you get a link to Lisa's business, Lisa's website, my website. We always encourage you to reach out with any questions, comments. We really appreciate when you reach out and let us know that you're listening. And my gosh, it's it's fun to know. I think Lisa gets them and I get them too, just an occasional text from somebody saying, oh, I listened to this and that was great and really enjoyed this. And that just makes our day. It's a day brightener, right? Uh, yes, uh, I get them all the time. Yeah, it's fabulous. I think you get them more than I get them. You have more friends. No, it's, it's not friends. It's clients. <laughs> but also, Katie, I also want to do a shout out because you know me and my analytics. And I was looking into the listeners of our podcast. And we have so many people from all over the world listening. And thank you. Yeah, we really, we appreciate it. Uh, let us know if there's anybody you'd like to hear from. Uh, topics you'd like us to approach and keep looking in that mirror and realizing that number one, you validate who you are, wherever you come, whatever, wherever you come to your day, validate it. And then good self-talk. You are the one and only you and make it the best day yet. We so appreciate you until next time. (laughs) 